This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business live. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. If your business has financial challenges requiring professional insights and solutions, Begbie's Trainer can help. We provide advice designed to help people and companies deal successfully with debt and financial problems. And wherever possible, we will find the best solution that allows for active steps towards financial recovery. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. We're committed to providing a rapid and responsive service based on in-depth experience, professionalism and independent specialist expertise. Contact our Sheffield office or visit begbiz-trainergroup.com. Yeah, this is the poet Benjamin Zephaniah coming down your radio wire and you are listening to Sheffield Live at 93.2 FM, my friend. We're open for Business Live. Good morning. It's Friday, it's the 17th of February 2017, it's just after 9 o'clock. I'm Jamie Veach, I'm your host for next hour for Sheffield Live's business and social enterprise programme, Business Live. And we're broadcasting live, 93.2 FM and SheffieldLive.org. The show is also available as a podcast later from the Sheffield Live website. Talking of podcasts, did you catch last week's show? No? Well... Panic not if you didn't, because of course you can catch the podcast on the Sheffield Live website. All you need to do is go to shows, find Sheffield, find Business Live on the Sheffield Live website, and it is there. We were eating brownies in the studio last week. It was delicious. Hope you're very, very jealous. They were very tasty. Why were we doing that though? Because we had a founder of a brownie business, and she'd taken the leap from a 12-year career in the civil service to become an entrepreneur, to follow her dream. Now, I know that that leap can be really, really difficult for many people to take, especially if they're moving from a secure job with benefits, with a salary that you know is coming every week. But if you want to set up a business, then sometimes you have to follow that dream. So on the radio show last week, my guest Heather told us exactly how she'd done that. It's worth a listening if you didn't catch it. Wow, what's coming up today? Today's show is certainly worth a listen because we're going to be talking about venture capital and a really, really interesting VC model that's been started here in Sheffield. So really delighted to welcome into the studio today Sam Deakin of Campus Capital alongside Tanya Kuzman, Alex Teary and Alex Tanner. You'll hear from all of them in a moment or two. Just before we do, though, what's been going on this week in Sheffield in business and in social enterprise. Well, the State of Sheffield report was launched on Tuesday and two or 300 people went along to an event at Sheffield Hallam University where the report was unveiled by the Sheffield First Partnership Board. And the report provides an overview of the city. It describes how things are, how things are changing and how Sheffield compares to other cities. It's not based on just one perspective. It uses quite a wide range of data sources and reports, bringing together diverse information on developments in Sheffield to reflect on citywide issues and citywide trends. So it looked at developing a vibrant economy. It looked at creating a fairer Sheffield. It looked at inequality within the city. It looked at the life chances for young people and for elderly elderly people and it looked at democracy and engagement a new section of the report this week now it's really interesting to see it and the report certainly doesn't gild the lily it's worth a read if, um, and uh, you can take a look at a report at the sheffield first website sheffieldfirst.com um, and then you'll find it there it's in the key documents section one thing that was really noticeable to me though was that uh, there was a lot of discussion on the gross value added of the community and voluntary sector in the city uh 800 million to the sheffield economy that was really really great there was a lot of discussion also about innovative private sector businesses and there are a few businesses mentioned that have been guests on this program which which was uh, fantastic so the flow for example regular listeners will have heard their chief exec on this show two or three times in the past and um, plenty of discussion about manufacturing too but it was really noticeable to me there was no discussion about social enterprise whatsoever and yet as we know from various indexes indices, if you like, that have been published on a national level. The fastest growing social enterprises are growing faster 
than the fastest growing private sector businesses. So the top businesses in, for example, the NatWest SE100 index of fast growth social enterprises are about 1300 social enterprises in that index in the UK. They're growing faster than the top businesses in the Sunday Times, Fast Track 100 of private sector businesses. And those social enterprises are typically more diverse. They employ more women. They employ more people from ethnic minorities at senior levels. And they're they're creating jobs faster too. I was really surprised that I couldn't see anywhere in the report a mention of social enterprise. So surprised that I was able to ask a question of the panel um, on Tuesday. And the question was simply, what can we do in Sheffield to increase the economic impact, the social impact and the environmental impact of Sheffield's social enterprises? And the panel sort of did give me some answers. They talked about um, Gripple as a fantastic uh, local business with a community, well, employee co-ownership and a commitment to innovation and of course, many of us here in, in Sheffield are proud of a, of a business such as Gripple. And David Blunkett, who was on the panel, talked about um, the potential for unclaimed assets to be used to support social enterprise programmes. And of course, I'm well aware there are programmes in the city like the Social Enterprise I- Exchange um, that's supporting social enterprise um, and, uh, of course, Sheffield Social Enterprise Network too. But I did think it was a bit of an omission from the report. Were you there? What did you think? Did you have an opinion? And what else about the report as well? What do you think in terms of its focus on manufacturing and its focus on on creative and digital industries too? Some brilliant creative and digital industries companies in Sheffield. The report talked about some. It also talked about democracy and engagement and getting people involved in running the city. And, of course, there was a section in the report about Sheffield as a green place. Now, um, Vivid Economics last year published a study showing that um, the parks in Sheffield contribute £36 to the city's economy for every pound invested in them. The report didn't seem to mention that, but it talked proudly about Sheffield as an outdoor city, and as a place, um, as, a, as, a, as a green city. But controversy reigns at the moment with regards to trees and, um, and, and the council and Amy's approach to trees. Again, I'd like to hear your views. You can get in touch with this programme and you can comment about the state of Sheffield report or really anything you like reflecting business and social enterprise. What else is going on in business and social enterprise this week? Well, a couple of other announcements. Freelancers. We have a lot of freelancers who listen to this programme. And new research has come out from the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed. They found, their research has demonstrated, that freelancers spend an average of 20 days each year chasing late payments. And that late payment costs freelancers an average of £16.5 billion across the UK in lost income. That's pretty staggering. The research also revealed that freelancers lose an average of one day each year contacting HMRC and two days completing their self-assessment tax return. And the Department for Business has published draft regulations that require large companies and limited liability partnerships to publicly report the average time taken to pay their suppliers. Those regulations are going to come into force in April 2017. They're being introduced specifically to support small firms to tackle late payment. I'll tweet a link out to the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed Research at the end of this programme. A red flag report has come out from Begbie's Trainer, And they found that the number of UK firms in serious financial difficulty rose by 3% year on year to the last quarter of 2016, identifying almost 276,000 firms that were showing signs of significant financial distress at the end of last year, with the majority being small and medium sized firms. But... um, Their report suggests that many of the new firms started last year are short-lived lifestyle businesses arising out of circumstances like redundancy. 
for a number of events coming up. In Sheffield, there's an event on the 2nd of March, which is worth going to. That's the British Business Bank working together with uh, the Local Enterprise Partnership to tell partners about the new £400 million Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund and how to access it. So the event is going to brief business advisors, but also business people. So if you're running a business or a social enterprise, you might like to go along to this, about the new funding opportunities available and how businesses can access the funds. It's a Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund. And again, I'll tweet the link out to that event at the end of today's radio show. There's been a really big increase in um, health and safety fines, fines of £1 million or more for health and safety offences in 2016. The 20 largest fines cost firms involved £38 million last year, up from £4 million two years before that. Now, it's claimed by the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health that the increase is due to tougher sentencing guidelines. Now, are you compliant? Judges are becoming more confident with the new rules and are imposing larger fines on employers. You need to be compliant, not because of the risk of the fine, but because of the risk of injuring people. Make sure you are. And take a look at the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health if you want more details. What else? Innovate UK, we mentioned last week with regards funding for design initiatives. Well, they have a new and different fund for small and medium-sized firms to develop innovative solutions to challenges in health and in life sciences. If you want to compete for a share of that fund, it's a £15 million fund. You must be able to improve the sustainability of agriculture and food production or develop bioscience techniques to improve healthcare or food production in the future. If that sounds like you or your business, then you can take a look at Innovate UK. Deadline for applications there, 12th of April 2017. Loads more going on, and I'm going to uh, mention a few more events that are coming up at the end of today's radio programme. But before we get there, it's time to bring in the key event, the main event for today's show. And I'm really delighted to welcome to the studio Sam Deakin of Campus Capital, alongside Tanya Kuzman, Alex Thierry and Alex Tanner. Good morning, all. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks all for coming in nice and early today. And I've mentioned Campus Capital on the radio show when you launched um, last year, Sam. Um, Thank you very much. Really, really innovative model. Before we tell people a little bit more about Campus Capital, some horrifying stats about traditional venture capital. Something in the region of 9%, only 9% of management in traditional venture capital is female. Mm. And uh, female-led businesses are significantly underfunded um, proportionally than male-led businesses by venture, traditional venture capital models. And there appears to be a significant funding gap. It may be a deliberate bias, it may be an unconscious bias, but the stats that have been um, taken from researchers in the UK in the USA, in diverse countries. I've got some stats here from Albania, from Australia, are fairly similar all over the world. Mm. Traditional venture capital isn't diverse. Mm. We could even say it's failing. Why did he set up Campus Capital, Sam? (laughs) Thanks for that, Jamie. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with any of that. It's it's right. And, um, you know, it's it's likely a little bit of a vicious circle, right? Where if you don't have the um, diversity on the investor's side of the table, then you're probably not going to get the diversity on the founder's side of the table as well as um, people typically um, invest in people who um, are like them, yeah. you know, in, in the same way that people tend to employ people who are like them as well. And where you see this lack of diversity in the workplace, it's um, you know, probably along the same, for some of the same reasons as well. Um, 
um, I mean, this isn't the reason that we set up Campus Capital. Um, no, the indeed. Our two core reasons for setting up Campus Capital were to provide a localised source of funding for high-growth potential startups and to educate a new um, generation of venture capitalists and um, aspiring entrepreneurs into exactly what venture capital is. Um, but despite that not being our main mission... Um, we have set out with a purpose of building diverse teams yes. um, within our partner universities. Um, like I said, not because we're wanting to, um, we do want to make venture capital more diverse. It's not our core mission, but why wouldn't we build diverse teams when all of the research shows that diverse teams are more effective? Um, and so we don't have, um, I can't claim that we have a 50-50 split of um, female to male in our, in our teams. Um, but um, I don't, think that gender is the only measure of diversity that no. we can look at either um, and we do have a really good um, diverse team in Sheffield in terms of um, how international that team is and also um, in the backgrounds of the um, of the students that are forming parts of those team um, forming those teams as as uh, young VCs so we're doing our we're trying to do our bit towards it um, not just because this is obviously a big problem in mm. in venture capital and investment, um, but because it makes it makes good business sense um, to build diverse teams. Yes, absolutely, it really does. And um, perhaps unfair to frame the introduction to Campus Capital in exactly those terms, but it's really nice that you've been able to to talk about that that particular issue. And it is a big issue in traditional uh, VC in a traditional venture capital world. But Campus Capital certainly understands set up not not specifically for those reasons but certainly by by being here addressing that diversity and um uh, i was particularly interested to uh, to 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 read uh, debbie wasco who set up a, a, a blended venture capital firm and crowdfunding site uh, and mentoring business so sort of blending all three things together which she she set up last year talking about well actually um, the returns that investors get from uh, female-led businesses are, are better. It makes uh, mm. it makes great sense as well. Mm. Now, um, Campus Capital certainly can't be described as a traditional VC model. You've been set up, as you say, for for other uh, for for other reasons. You've brought uh, initially two million pounds into a funding is that right yeah so we're currently fundraising at the yeah. moment it will be an annualized two million found with um fund which is um an seis eis um blended fund yeah. which is um a government tax break um so that that gives tax breaks to investors into start that's correct yeah so um there's a con there's a i wouldn't say a misconception um because investment at all stages is is risky yes um especially venture um investing um but there's um a, a sort of a feeling that the earlier you invest the more risky that is yeah. um government is wanting to incentivize um high net worth individuals who would be making investments um to look at the earlier stage startups so that they can encourage more um investment into the earlier stages of um of technology ventures that that could go on to be high growth um uh, potential companies um and so that's why this this tax break has been um brought into play and, and that's what um our, our fund um sort of makes use of as well yes well that mm -hmm. makes absolute sense in, yeah indeed Correct. and it will be a two million pound fund um across start um across sheffield and manchester super mm -hmm. okay and you have involved students you've involved 87 students possibly more now <laughs> <laughs> well we had 87 applications yeah. um for the student team in sheffield yeah. um which was overwhelming actually we were not expecting that um venture capital is um quite niche um you know it, it's um in terms of uh, the the interest it, it's for a very specific type of startup it's a very specific type of um finance um and so we were not expecting 87 applications um we have a final team now of um, 18 students in in sheffield great so since launch and, and announcements in in november you've been busy um uh, 
securing the finance for the fund. That's right. Um, presumably uh, ongoing regulatory uh, things that, <laughs> that uh, you will have to continue to, to, uh, to, to deal with, of course, to make sure everything is, uh, governance is all, all correct. Engaging students, looking at those applications, as you say, 87, final team of 18, fantastic, mm-hmm. and working with students. And you've also launched an education programme and, and there was a boot camp mm-hmm. took place this week. Now, just tell me more about that. Okay, so um, one of the issues um, that we're looking to address with Campus Capital is that there isn't um, enough funding um, of this type outside of um, London, Oxford, Cambridge, Mm. those kind of um, areas. Um, What happens when there's not a lot of funding in this area is that entrepreneurs tend to move to where the finance is. Um, So we lose a lot of our um, great potential startups to um, where where the funding opportunities are. And the knock-on effects of that are that when those startups, when those founders then go on and make it big, they're not in Sheffield to pass on the knowledge of how they did that and how they um, went through the venture capital Mm. process um, to the next wave of entrepreneurs so where you don't have this finance you also don't have this general education in that city region about what this type of finance is who venture capital is really for um, what what venture capitalists are looking for when you're pitching to them um, and so you're, you're immediately at a disadvantage um, and so one of the one of the things that we wanted to do with campus capital was educate everybody along the way yes um, yeah. So by involving students in the um, in the process, in the investment process, um, and allowing them to sit on the side of the table that the investor sits on, um, it just means that they get to experience that from the investor's point of view. And, you know, how, how better to learn how investors make decisions than by actually um, making some of those decisions for real um, with real companies. That, what a brilliant process that is. That's great. Excellent. So... In the studio with us, of course, we have some some students, and I'd like to uh, uh, thank you all for coming in, Tanya Kuzman, Alex Teary, Alex Tanner. Thanks for coming along and getting involved. Now, I'll throw this open to all three of you, and and you can all answer. Um, I don't know who wants to be first, but uh, first of all, what was it about Campus Capital that, that was attractive in terms of, yeah, I want to be involved in that. That looks really, really good. Anyone want to go first on that? I'm going to have to go first. <clears throat> so, for me, I, I'm a PhD student at the yeah. university. And I think that when you've been in research for quite a long time, um, it can be quite a solitary place, actually. And you actually do gain quite a niche set of skills, very analytical. And this is sort of, people from different um, areas of academia have different skills depending on their disciplines. But what I think is a really good model about campus capital is that the aim is to bring all of these people together and to use their different um, specialist analytical like, ways of thinking, essentially, to uh, look at startup entrepreneur, entrepreneurial businesses and um, together collaborate and work out, is that actually a really good um, idea to take forward and is there growth potential in that business? So it's, it's really the diversity in the team from the um, academic background perspective and also the enthusiasm that you get with a team where no one's really been in this before. Everybody wants to be involved and learn a lot. So this is really what attracted me to. Uh, Great. That makes a lot of sense, Alex. And, you, and you're a PhD student, as you mentioned, that's and that's right, yeah. in uh, developmental biology. Is yeah. That, yeah. Right. So as you said, you bring skills and experience, I suppose, skills that are transferable. Yeah. Um, but the collaboration with others, with a diverse range of, of backgrounds or a diverse range of uh, subject areas, is val- is very valuable in itself. Yeah, and also yeah. you also see that um, a lot of businesses, that a lot of the people who, a lot of potential entrepreneurs have, uh, you, you find a lot of, uh, of this potential within universities themselves. And a lot of these people struggle to... Um, they, they don't know how to set up a business because they've never done it before, mm. but this doesn't mean that their ideas are any less valuable. And actually, I think that this process is a really good way to engage young potential entrepreneurs into um, to promote the idea of actually going ahead and starting a business and we're there to show them that actually we understand what their ideas are yes. and we can almost guide them to how to, make it, how to um, acquire funding to make their 
ideas like a reality essentially so you're helping them and you're increasing your own knowledge skills yeah. and understanding at the same time which is which is brilliant it's exactly it's a yeah. perfect two-way street great and does that resonate with you tanya or with you alex we have two alexes in the studio today <laughs> um, yeah well um as alex said one of the one of the things that uh, i was interested in is basically uh, i wanted to find out how investors think uh, yeah. when they sit across the entrepreneurs uh, because uh, along the line um i might become one of the entrepreneurs sitting mm. across the table so yeah. for me it was really important to learn as much as possible about the VC, but also uh, to see the both perspectives as well, like as the VC investor, what I would look for in the uh, on in the entrepreneur's team, in their idea, what is the most important, but also if I'm an entrepreneur, what is important for me and who should be sitting uh, across the table of me, like what kind of investor I would I would look for. So yeah. what is important for me uh, to look into investors? So this kind of understanding of both sides and that it is really the two-way street. It's not just investor approaching an entrepreneur saying, oh, I want to acquire you or give you money so uh, that I can uh, build something bigger. It's also an entrepreneur saying, uh, yes, I want an investor. I need to grow more. Uh, but also along the line, I need the relationship and I need uh, advice and I need uh, some kind of uh, bigger picture uh, there at the table so that I can really uh, have these two-way streets uh, working for me. So that was yeah. the main reason I would say for me to to get involved uh, in uh, along the uh, everything that Alex said, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? And um, gives you a really interesting perspective if you do go down the route of entrepreneurialism in the future and you're looking for yeah, this definitely. type of investment to actually know and to have experienced what an investor is looking for. And as you say, it's not just about the transactional money relationship, is it? Whether you're the entrepreneur or the investor, it's about people you can work with. It's about an appropriate fit. It's about so much, so much more. So being on this side of the of, of the uh, of the fence, if you like, or this side of the desk um, and experiencing what it's like to make those decisions must must be is going to be very very helpful indeed yeah, yeah definitely definitely and your own your own subject area is finance yes i'm doing pg in finance and um even though um you would say okay venture capital is finance basically um what we learn at universities even undergrad masters mm. uh, or phd um, it's not really related to venture capital so if you go for the corporate finance classes uh, you would um, learn about the i would i can not say really ordinary corporate finance but yes the corporate finance for already built up businesses so in, in venture capital there is so much more and the terms you are talking about and how the finance works there and how investment funds work venture capital and all that is completely different. So you really need to understand uh, the story behind uh, behind it and you really need to know uh, all that. So I think that even um, on that end, when I was speaking with Samantha in the interview, for me it was also important because um, if one day I'm going to teach uh, a group of entrepreneurs or engineers about finance, mm -hmm. I would probably teach them about venture capital much more because they are probably going to start create their own startups or work in a startup. And it's for them crucial to understand, even though they are not professionalists in, in finance, to understand this basic, uh, basic uh, framework and how it works. Yes. So it's, it's, I think that this opportunity that Campus Capital gave us is really, really amazing from so many perspectives and so many points that uh, I'm so glad to be part of the team. Excellent. That's brilliant. And Alex, um, we, we have two Alexes, as I mentioned, in the studio today. Alex Tanner now, medical student. Um, your own reasons for getting involved. Do, are they, do they chime with, with what Tanya yeah, said and Alex? they're very similar to Valentania's. Um, I personally think that one day I'd like to become an entrepreneur myself. Um, but uh, one often think, one often realises that um, those in the medical profession, they're often quite naive about the financial world. And even when it comes to, for example, a tax return, 
uh, doctors are quite well known for not actually filling it in correctly. Mm. Um, so I think that uh, what I'm doing is actually developing a set of skills which will, which will be which will follow through into my into my career. Um, and as I develop as an individual, it should probably help with developing, uh, for example, uh, further ventures and and enable me to apply what I've uh, what I want to do as uh, as an as a, as an entrepreneur and possibly uh, as an entrepreneur in the medical field um, yes. and um, it uh, it also enables me to realize what is necessary uh, as a as an investor uh, to uh, to uh, sorry it what it enables me to realize what is necessary as an entrepreneur uh, to uh, to pitch to an investor and uh, what uh, what is attractive as an entrepreneur so that uh, people will deem uh, my ideas uh, investable. Yes. So being able to understand what it takes to be investment ready. Yeah. yeah. Great. So for, for the three of you, there are reasons that are congruent uh, in, t- in terms of why you've been involved, why, why you chose to b- become involved, why you applied to the program. And uh, as you've said, Tanya, uh, interview process with Samantha and, and so on. And, and now the program is going to enhance not only understanding, um, and awareness of, of how VC works and how investors work, um, but your own future skills and your own future uh, entrepreneurship pot- potential as well. And you've had an intense week this week. Wednesday was a particularly intense day. Why was Wednesday an intense day? Boot camp. What happened at boot camp? Who's going to tell me more? <laughs> I'm sure if anyone's been on a boot camp before, they'll know how intense it can be. But Samantha yeah. made sure that it was extra intense for us. I bet Samantha did because Samantha's been on this show two or three times talking about um, startup weekend with the University of Sheffield. Now I know how intense that that has always been. Intense, intensely helpful as well for people. Um, so I can imagine how in, intense uh, it was this Wednesday. So sorry, Alex. Sure. So, I, I mean, intense isn't necessarily a bad thing like you say and actually that is I think that that's part of the reason why we're all here is that we really want to engage in this process and having a um, day like boot camp where there's information thrown at you from um, current entrepreneurs people from the VC side of things you get lots of information on finance um, investors perspectives on it all so you get we're getting a really broad range of it we well we received a really broad range of information in a very short period of time but that's actually one of the most attractive things about taking part in this is that there's a real um, learning curve to be had and that day just kind of shows you actually this process really is for me there's a lot I can learn a lot I already have learned in the space of a few hours and you really start to see what bit before Wednesday I, I had an idea as to what venture capitalism was but not necessarily what the process was going to entail whereas Wednesday really allowed us to see what is actually going to happen over the coming year yeah. how when somebody pitches to you an idea what is the process that they then have to go through to develop the idea further make sure that it's concrete acquire the funding in principle then go through the um necessary uh, checks etc and before the final funding due process. diligence and so on exactly yeah. so this is this is basically what what we were made aware of and what that process is and what sort of companies we're looking for what stage in their development are we uh, particularly interested in and what sort of uh, development we want them to go through yeah so a, a, a helpful day an intense day what sort of companies were in the room i mean you can name name companies in the room or name the type of businesses in the room if if, if uh, that's easier uh, so we were dealing with uh, firms which for example would uh, were working in e-commerce yeah. uh, such as Dizinga and mm-hmm. also another firm called Airsoft uh, who were dealing with uh, the piloting and uh, the uh, the sale of drones uh, these were these were companies which were relatively fresh. They, um, yeah. they had been started up in the, la- in the last few years, and as a result, it was very it was very interesting chatting to or talking, sorry, to these founders and uh, and actually experiencing uh, experiencing all the hurdles they had to uh, to go over to uh, to produce a viable company. Yeah, a viable company and presumably a viable product or service as well and getting Definitely, that, that yeah. out as well. Good stuff, yeah. Uh, any key things, uh, key nuggets from the day? 
Yeah, well, I think that there was um, a lot of things that we learned during the day, especially uh, because of all of these talks with the entrepreneurs and with the uh, VCs on the other side and also um, uh, um, legal part of the whole mm-hmm. process. We could really uh, see what are the key points uh, when we go uh, into um, looking uh, for someone or when we get a pitch, which parts of the pitch are the most important, how to know whether there is something behind that idea and even if we don't get the perfect pitch deck uh, how to know uh, when the idea is solid and even if that is not like um, the perfect pitch deck that we should engage into a meeting with those entrepreneurs and see what is going on behind it so I think that through the process we learn uh, how to which questions are key uh, and to which areas we need to pay the most intention. Uh, but I think that most of the people there really emphasize that the most important thing is uh, time. So for entrepreneurs uh, and investors to meet up and go through this process, it's quite demanding. Uh, and if you, uh, what entrepreneurs said to us, if you are not really uh, going to invest uh, into us, don't waste our time. So for them, the process is quite important and um, they are stepping out of their business in order to find the finance. So uh, it's quite challenging to jingle your business on a daily basis and also look for the entrepreneur and pitch uh, in the right way. So I think that this was the key message from the entrepreneur side. And also for the investors, the timing is, is quite important because there are certain points in time when uh, the fund wants to invest uh, money and they have have to do it at certain point in time. So uh, that's uh, also something that is important for, for VCs. So I think that that was one of the, of the main, main things uh, along uh, a lot of others that, uh, uh, that we learned during the day. Yeah, I'll just add to that as well, actually, that um, I think there's this traditional view that um, it's, it's a bit like Dragon's Den, which actually is definitely not the case. Yeah, so not so it, it's, it's not... You're, an investor isn't doing a favor by taking on an entrepreneur they're actually investing in them for a reason that they're going yeah. to make money as well so it works both ways so the entrepreneur actually needs to be attracted to the investor in the same way that the investor needs to be attracted to the entrepreneur which means that like tanya said you don't want to be wasting their time if you're wasting their time they're going to be looking elsewhere and i think that this is something that's really important actually to take into account is what does the investor uh, what what does the entrepreneur want and how can we actually help them achieve that and if we can't help them then we need to tell them straight away to make sure that that they they have a, the opportunity to either develop their product further or go seek investment from someone who's more suitable to them yeah most definitely absolutely so that's a, a really good perspective and understanding as well of, of what it takes on both sides it strikes me that the program is very likely to to develop a, a, a sort of new cohort of investors in the north and as sam said at the start of the program as uh, there's been in the past a sort of funding gap between the north and london and perhaps oxford and cambridge as well in terms of venture capital and uh if you like a bit of a, a drain uh, where people going where in investment is now if this program um and, and your involvement and participation in this program means that perhaps it means that in the future, as entrepreneurs, you're more likely to uh, work positively with VCs and, and secure appropriate investment. Of course, it could mean that you're more likely to go on to become VCs yourselves and understand the needs of entrepreneurs in a supportive way that, that benefits everybody too. So really interesting discussion today. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live, 93.2 FM, sheffieldlive.org. And I'm joined in the studio today by Sam, Tanya, Alex and Alex talking about Campus Capital. And Campus Capital is, I think, a model unique in the UK, creating a founder-friendly source of capital, offering more than financial support to startups, providing an educational framework on, on campus and working across Sheffield and and then Manchester too, offering a venture capital experience to aspiring investors and to entrepreneurs and uh, engaging alumni as well with their uh, universities or their former universities. I know that's an aspiration too. And um, they've been successful on campus funds in the US, Sam, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think 
two that I can point to are um, the dorm room fund and um, the Wolverine fund. Yeah. I mean, when comparing the US and the UK, I think it's important to remember that there are lots of differences yes, between the indeed. US and the UK. Um, it's not just the funding environment. It, it's There's a lot of other ecosystem um, differences between the US and the UK. So it's, it's not a case of um, taking something that's working in the US and trying to import it into the UK in exactly the same way. Um, it's more a case of taking inspiration, um, understanding that, you know, it, it, having belief in, in students um, and in young people um, to be able to, um, you know, form teams, uh, you know, that can... Um, that can undertake this kind of uh, responsibility and, and understand this kind of process um, and, and um, take those models and take inspiration for those models um, in a way that's going to add value in our particular um, sort of situation in, in Sheffield and Manchester and in other cities across the north. So bespoke to our geographical circumstances, our... Um, circumstances with, with regard to our particular city strengths and weaknesses. I mean, I talked at the start of the show today about the state of Sheffield report and the Sheffield as a city is distinct and different from mm. Manchester and mm-hmm. from Leeds and uh, from, from, from other cities too. Mm. We have a very strong creative and digital industries sector. We have um, we have an, a huge amount of innovation in that sector too. We have a, a strong social enterprise sector. And in fact, that uh, I moaned and ranted about social enterprise not being mentioned in that report. Um, manufacturing was in a big way. And mm. I, 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 of course, I'm proud and delighted of the high-tech manufacturing that goes on here and, and the fact that it is creating good, high-quality jobs as well. But if it, manufacturing employs uh, 9% of the workforce in Sheffield and some figures suggest social enterprise employs 10%, I think mm. we need to be talking about it and banging the drum as well. Um, but as you say, Sam, I mean, you're talking about doing things with campus capital that are bespoke and appropriate to the cities in which you operate. And then, and then we don't suffer from, if you like, brain drain horrible phrase but you know it we, is we awful know, we know yeah. what it means don't we? Yeah, yeah everybody knows what it means and it's talked about a lot and yeah. you know it, it's um used in lots of different contexts as well and i think you're absolutely right jamie it's about um being not completely bespoke but certainly tailoring mm. um to each individual yeah. city um but that ties in very much to our university partnerships as well. Yes. Um, the University of Sheffield is very different from the University of Manchester. Indeed. Very similar in some ways, but you know, each university that we work with is going to have different strengths. Um, it means that the student groups are going to look different in in each university in terms of the um, you know the backgrounds, the the disciplines. Each university has its own own culture, as each city has its own culture. You know, these are huge organisations organizations with tens of thousands of students in them Um, and so they do develop their own culture so I do believe that campus capital will have a slightly different flavor wherever we go um, and that actually the flexibility of the model really allows for that to be as um, as effective as it can be in in each city um, with each partner university that we work with. Wonderful. A flexible model, Mm. um, which sounds superb. And um, you also, of course, uh, uh, the university partners are important. You've been working with Tech North as well, is that that correct? Yeah, well, I mean, we're quite, um, in terms of our... um sort of remit and yeah. in terms of some of our missions and motivations we're very aligned with um with tech north yeah. um in wanting to attract investment into the north um and just essentially um supporting high growth potential tech startups to uh to grow really yes indeed yeah. And regular listeners to this program will know that a couple of weeks ago we had Tutora on this program, and Tutora, Tutora's uh, co-founder and CEO Scott Woodley talked about uh, that business, which is uh, achieved something in the region of two thousand percent revenue growth, and is on a second round of, uh, of, of funding at the moment, crowdfunding in their case, equity crowdfunding through the the, uh, the platform Crowdcube, and. and Scott talked about their growth to date, how they've achieved it, what they've done. Um, 
the support that they've had from a number of partners, of course, and uh, they've had support from University of Sheffield Enterprise, mm-hmm. and um, and the support they've had from their investors to date, and and, and their model um, and how they plan to to scale it. Um, I mentioned the flow at the start of today's program, a, a, a business involved in um, insurance, telematics, growing industry, huge growth business. Sumo Digital, um, people who like computer games will have played one of their games. Sumo Digital employs something in the region of 250 people, a lot here in Sheffield and other, others in, in, in Nottingham too. Really interesting fast growth tech businesses good stuff now i did want to mention another event that's coming up um in the next uh, few weeks it's a tech north event founders network it's called the summit it's a day centered around startup founders to take everything that you love about uh founders networks connections learning from peers uh, insights from seasoned entrepreneurs and throwing it together for a conference which they describe as a pick and mix event you can build the perfect day for you regardless of the stage of your own business. So uh, sounds like a, a, a really interesting event to get along to. Tickets are a modest fee from £12 to £25, and details are on Eventbrite. Again, at the end of this programme, I'll tweet the link out to that so that anyone who's listening can go along if you would like to. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live, 93.2 FM and sheffieldlive.org with me, Jamie Veach. In the studio today, we've had uh, Campus Capital. Sam's been talking about uh, the model and, and Alex Alex and Tanya too. So we don't actually have long left. Time flies when you're having fun in a radio studio, doesn't it? <laughs> um, what next then? What's, what, 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 you've had a, an intense boot camp for uh, participants this week. You're learning ever such a lot about what it means to be an investor. Mm-hmm. So from your point of view... Uh, what's coming up from Sam's point of view, what's coming up with Campus Capital as as a whole? Okay, well, I just want to say very quickly that um, before we hand over to um, these guys, I guess, um, is that the theoretical element of the education at Campus Capital is um, really just the very, very beginning. Um, If Startup Weekend is experiential learning for entrepreneurs, I believe that Campus Capital is experiential learning for investors. Yes. The real learning will happen as soon as they start getting out and um, receiving pitch decks and taking meetings with founders. And so really that's the next stage that we're working towards. Great. And that's exciting. So when, I mean, you can't say for sure, but when do you think the first investments will be made? So we're hoping that we'll have capital ready to place around April, yeah. May time. Okay. Yeah. Um, with meetings being taken probably a month to six weeks before that yeah. to allow for the investment, full investment process. Yeah, yeah. of course. It's- what these guys are probably most excited about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, yeah. All right, super. So that must be exciting. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to getting started and sourcing companies. Personally, I'm interested in life sciences and biotechnology. That's yeah. a sector that uh, that draws me, and I, I really want to go out into the hub of uh, entrepreneurs and uh, see what ideas they have uh, to uh, to invest in and also to develop. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to uh, to finding. Or where these uh, where these biotech entrepreneurs are, and yeah. uh, talking to them, and uh, interviewing them, and uh, under- getting to grips with uh, the whole field a little bit better. Brilliant! That's that's going to be an exciting process. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me the same uh, as uh, with Alex. I'm also, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I'm doing finance, I'm also quite interested in, in the area of medicine and IT. Mm. So uh, I'm quite looking forward to seeing the, the pitch decks, the different ideas and learning really about uh, what is going on out there uh, uh, with the startups, with their ideas and uh, basically learning how different things can be combined into a product that is viable uh, there in the market. So I'm quite, quite excited to meet uh, entrepreneurs uh, here about their ideas and uh, possibly with our team and Campus Capital uh, help them uh, move forward and build a sustainable business in the future, which will help the the whole community uh, in the north as well. Brilliant. That's you sound really excited yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am I am really excited <laughs> I'd, I'd say in terms of um, <clears throat> the areas of business that I'm specifically interested in so I'm, I'm actually quite flexible so something we've talked about ourselves across the campus capital team is that 
because there's people from uh, all different disciplines that actually, um, if there is a life science uh, entrepreneur who comes to us, I'll, I'll be there ready to actually crit- like to analyze the um, the product itself. Whereas if someone comes in from more of an IT side, I feel that I might not know as much about the actual product, but I can look at it more from a, a financial investable perspective. So this is something that the whole team uh, is aware of. And I think that's like one of our unique strengths is that by having such a diversity in um, educational backgrounds, we can actually take different approaches based on uh, what our strengths are specific to the entrepreneurs. It really gives us a different, unique perspective. Well, well it does, doesn't it? I mean, that's a key thing of Campus Capital. And um, people are looking at the website can see that the team has a diverse range of subject area expertise, which is brilliant from sort of tech finance, life sciences, medical, biomedical, and so on. That's going to be great for campus capital as a whole, but it's great for the entrepreneurs who will be pitching you as well, that they will have the opportunity to work with people who who will understand their their sector. I think that anybody who comes to us with an idea, they're almost guaranteed to get at least one person who's and passionate about their product and yes. you get another person who's maybe not quite as aware and therefore can maybe ground it a little bit more and look at actually is, is this investable and is there potential growth so it really does provide all areas of uh, yeah all different ways of thinking to the same product which is yeah, something i think we're very excited to be working together for excellent superb and so on the campus capital website which is campuscapital.vc and again we'll tweet the link out at the end um there's more information about about the model about what what you're doing um about the the team of investors of course so there are profiles of uh, of, of my guests here in the studio and um um and there's a sign up or contact form so that people can find out more and, and if you like get on the list um, so that they get to find out when they can pitch you when they can send you their their business ideas when you when you start accepting pitches Sam. That's right. Um, so as Tanya mentioned earlier, one of the things that really came across from the boot camp from the entrepreneurs was around the length of time it takes them to um, from the moment they recognise they want to get investment to actually receiving it. Yeah. Um, and so it's all about not wasting entrepreneurs time. We, we have a big sign that says we are not accepting pitch decks Indeed. at the moment. And it's because we don't have capital to place. We don't want to waste anyone's right. time. So it's just a list you can get on to be notified when that capital is ready to be placed. Yeah, indeed. So um, that's up at the Campus Capital website um, so that people can find out and you would be notified when the capital is ready. You can find out also, of course, lots more about Campus Capital itself, the model, um, how it's been set up by uh, Samantha Deakin and co-founder, of course, Michael Howe, Michael yeah. Howe as well. And uh, Samantha, of course, alongside this, you're also uh, heavily involved in uh, enterprise at the university uh, and supporting uh, supporting the University of, uh, of Sheffield enterprise <laughs> team and, and, and people setting up uh, businesses of all sorts there as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. brilliant. Well, thank you all so much for coming in today. Thank uh, you for having us. Thank you for having yeah. And uh, guests today in the studio. Uh, been delighted to welcome Samantha Deakin, Tanya Kuzman, Alex Thierry and Alex Tanner talking about Campus Capital. Thank you all. This has been Business Live, Sheffield Live, 93.2 FM, sheffieldlive.org. We'll be back on air next Friday, 9am through to 10am, so tune in then. But don't go away now. Next up on Sheffield Live, our fantastic folk music programme. Thank goodness it's folk from 10am all the way through to noon. So, Stay tuned for that. We're going to play out with a bit of music from the White Stripes. And the track is Seven Nation Army. Thanks for listening. This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business live.